Here, here's what I tell our guys, and I tell them this about style of play and individually. I say if a coach or anybody walks in our gym and says, how, how do you guys play? Every one of y'all better be able to tell them how we play. And secondly, if they say, what do you need to do to play? They better be able to tell you what they need to do to play. They better be able to tell you I'm a three-point shooter and I've got to run the floor hard and, and I've got to be a three and D guy. If I can't on-ball defend, I can't play. And if they can't do that, then I feel like we're not doing our job as coaches. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today we're joined by the head boys basketball coach at Crum High School, Ty Tabor. In his 18 years as a head coach, Coach Tabor has 404 wins, with stops recently at Mineral Wells and Grayford. He's led his teams to 10 district championships, seven regional tournaments, six regional finals, two state semifinals, and one state finals appearance. At Grayford, his teams led their classification for team made threes two times, and two different players led the state in made threes. Coach Tabor has been district coach of the year five times, a finalist for TABC 1A coach of the year, and is currently the THSCA Region 3 Basketball Advisory Board member. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. Well, Coach, I just want to first say thank you so much for, for giving up your time, coming on and talking hoops with me. I mean, this is an honor for me, man. Oh, I, I thank you very much. I, I look at some of the other people you interviewed, and it's kind of daunting. Like, man, I'm not near as good as them. <laughs> well, some of those people haven't played you. Okay, because that's <laughs> we had the the pleasure of getting to run into your crumb team at uh, the Sanger tournament this past year, and you yeah. guys kicked our tail. So I, this was uh, it's kind of fun as I'm playing other teams and I get to see a little bit about the you know the way that they play, how and really sometimes how their coaches you know coach the team and how they handle them and the, and the culture that they seem to have. You know, it makes me interested for sure, and just from getting to watch you work with your guys and how hard they played and how they executed it. I, I just, I thought this is a no brainer for me. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I love to play your guys too. It's a little bit different style than we normally see. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun style. So we, we enjoy playing y'all. Y'all are so competitive, shoot the ball so well. Um, and, and you do what you do. And I really respect that in a team. I got to ask you. So how, how many years at Crum now? This is my third year. Just completed my third year. Third year. So I love pl places like Lipan, you know, that these these basketball communities that have such a rich history in, yes, in high school basketball. Do your players know, your current players know what crumb basketball has meant in the past? Because at the colony in the late 90s, there were times where we played crumb uh, in Metrocrest and they were incredible. And so all of a sudden, you know, they were maybe a two way back then. And, yes, and all of a sudden you, you realize, okay, Chrome basketball is something special. Do those, do those guys, your current players know about that history? You know, a few of them have parents that were involved, but even the ones that don't, we talk about it all the time. I mean, it's one of the things we talk about when we talk about culture and, and where we want to be and some of our goals, we, we always talk about it, always talk about it. And I, I'm fortunate. I came from Grayford, which was much the same sort of thing in a smaller classification. So I've been really fortunate in my career. So you already came from a place where you, you grow the kids grow up wanting to be Grayford. What's the what's the mascot? 
jackrabbits. Yeah, they want to be jackrabbits. Like when I grew up in Pennsylvania, I, I went to Berwick Bulldog Camp as a little kid, and we wanted to be bulldogs. Do you have that same feeling at Crumb where there's little kids in the gym that are watching and they can't wait for their time to be up up with you? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. When we hold our camp, we have hundreds of kids here and then our little leagues and, of course, junior highs. Unfortunately, we have to cut a lot of guys because so many people want to be a part of it. Um, it's a yeah. good problem to have because it means that, you know, obviously there's it's healthy, but then it's never easy and never fun to do that for right, sure. Right, sure not. What advice do you have for coaches maybe like me? I mean, I am at a small private school, but I'm right in the middle of everything. You know, we got South Lake, Grapevine, Flower Mounds right behind us here. What is your advice for coaches that maybe are in these bigger areas? How do we build something like you have there, that, that history, that, uh, that, that idea that, uh, you know, crumb basketball is just special and, and, you know, within the town and within the, the people there? You know, I think uh, really it's relationships. I think that's the first thing uh, we got, I actually got here during COVID years. So that was, that was really tough to build some relationships. And I think our, our play struggled. I mean, I think it was obvious if, as you looked at our team, Mm. But but my coaches and I try to do a really good job of of being bought in with the kids and and in turn having them buy into what we're selling, which is hopefully good basketball. How much do you interact with the community there? Like, I, it just makes me think of of Hoosiers when he's in there getting his haircut, and they start asking him about defense. You know, what kind of defense? We've always been zone. What are we going to run? How how active are you with talking with parents and? people in the community that know what crumb basketball has been and kind of want to know a little bit about what you're thinking. Um, you know, we, we, we try to be very active. My, my assistants and I go to the, some of the little league games and have those relationships. And of course we're at all the junior high games, have a showing there and we're very open, have an open door policy to speak with parents or, or people from the community. Um, so, you know, that, that's something we make a priority is, is being accessible and uh, being willing to talk about crumb basketball to anybody that wants to listen. Love getting to ask coaches. You, you've been you've been co a head coach for seventeen years. How many years overall? Um, my this is my twentieth twentieth year overall. So doing this a long time, and I'm imagine you you've listened to podcasts, you've gone to clinics. But what's one of the best things that you've borrowed lately? Um, you know, I, what what we really we kind of have a commitment. How do we want to, how we want to play at this point? So we, we definitely watch styles of play and, and try to take a few things, but really language. I've talked with my coaches. We, we want to know how to talk to our players. We have our own unique language we use. Uh, of course, being in Crum, we're just outside of, of Denton with coach McCaslin and he, he's very good. We've gotten some things from him. Like, for example, um, he, uh, he calls the worst player on the team that he doesn't have to hard, guard the dork. So we've we've adopted that. We have a we have a title for every player uh, that we're going to guard, depending on how we're going to guard them. The dork, we don't guard them outside the lane. The uh, the jack is just a three point shooter. So if you're guarding a jack, you got to close out hard. The deuce can do two things: they can drive or shoot. We didn't want to give anyone a really good name because we didn't want our guys. MJ. LeBron. But but we. You know, I, I, I tell my guys all the time, listen to what other coaches, how, what their language is, and let's steal some of those things. Because I, I think if we can give a one-word one, one word description to our players about what we want, 
then I mean, that's so much more efficient than uh, me trying to explain uh, in, in my jumbled up way, you know, what we're trying to do. Coach, I think that's a great point. And, and especially if you get it, not just between you and your players, but then your assistants buy in as well, because how many times just, just take something like boxing out, rebounding, there's probably eight to 10 different ways that you can talk about that hit and get power base to power base. You know, the, yeah. So many different things. And we're all, we're kind of all saying the same thing, but the players, they hear different language and maybe it's confusing. And maybe what, what we don't want is it slows them down and makes them have to think more. So I think you're right on the money with having your language simple, clear, and everybody saying the same thing. You know, one of, one of my favorites, favorite things we started saying this year is make the lane muddy. And I can't even remember what coach I stole that from. But if you're a dribble drive team, we want to make it muddy. We want to make it, it hard for you to get in there and nasty when you get in there. So that, that's been something we used, uh, you know, this year that was new for us. It, it's been fun. Your guys do that well, too, because our, our goal is to get the ball to the world, which is the paint, but then up even into the key. You know, mm -hmm. the, inside the three-point line. If we can just get the ball there, we make defenders have to choose and make right. some choices. But obviously we would love to get to the world and have it somewhat vacant. So people are coming in late and we have our kicks, but you guys do such a great job of, uh, I love that mudding the paint, like you said. Well, thank you. Makes sense now. No. <laughs> <laughs> the question about the, the dork, I just found that. So it, at first, I, my first thought was, man, I hope you don't use those for your own players. And then how quickly, how quickly do, do they start to maybe uh, give those attributes to each other? Like, hey, you're a jack for sure. Or <laughs> yeah, They do. They do. And nobody wants to be the dork. Nobody wants to be the dork. Yeah. <laughs> work on shooting then, son. <laughs> yeah. A few, a few teams where, and maybe this is a little bit of uh, uh, like Coach Butterfield called it, like healthy peer pressure. Like sometimes you want to use peer pressure the right way. And maybe if they know that we look at other teams a certain way, you know, like, like our, one of our terms is MD, a must dribble, which that's pretty common, I think. But yep. it, when we talk about MDs that way from another team, it, it might reinforce to our players that, man, that's it's somewhat of a negative thing. That means they can only do one thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe that helps them, like you said, get in the gym. And I don't want to be the dork. I don't right. want to be the Jack, just the Jack. Right. And all the other, what are some you know, of the others that you have? We have a, a take of the guy that can just drive. We're going to short close out on them because they, they don't have the ability to shoot. Um, um, like I said, the dork is, is a big one. Um, we, we have a, a term we call be the go. The go for us is the guy that's going to release um hopefully you know depending on rebound situation but but our wings know that they better be a go if they're not a go they're not going to get very much run on the court during a game so that's another one that in crumb basketball you really want to be a go if you're not a go then you don't get to play explain that a little bit more please um we we uh we send our wings wide and deep on in all our transition and we want to reinforce to them that they they've got to be sprinting down the floor. So we just came up with the word you be a you don't just go you be a go. So, okay, is this after your team has secured the ball? Yes, because because I've been thinking about you know always trying to figure out ways to get faster and maybe steal a few buckets of 
if you're contesting or closing out to a guy that actually shoots the three, the odds of it bouncing right back to that player and that player shooting and, and crashing is very small. So uh, of contest and then going, releasing. We would bump and go at that point. We okay. just want to, you know, maybe just a hand on your chest or maybe just a slight bump and go. But yeah, you're, you would be, we, you'd automatically be the go at that point. And the way we run offense, we're far out one end. So our wings can be different guys. The point guard may end up a wing. And at that point, he better be going because we, we, we place a high, high premium on transition and getting mm. in the fast because, I, you know, I think that's the easiest way to score, honestly. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your players' skill development and increase accountability year-round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter-squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40-shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. I feel like we kind of we got in a little bit of to style of play right there. So I, I think that's a smooth transition into uh, what is your favorite style of play to teach? Uh, it's it's four out one in. Um, years ago, when my second head coaching job, I was at Archer City, and we had really good athletes in Archer City, and we ran a motion offense. And uh, I'll be honest with you, coach, we couldn't score. We would hold teams to thirty five points, and we would score thirty three points. So I was looking for something, and I remember going to a TBC clinic and listening to Coach Kalapari talk about dribble drive. So I became very interested in that and even got the opportunity to – we had a family vacation in Massachusetts. So mm. I got to talk to uh, Coach Wahlberg, who actually developed the dribble drive, and it was eye-opening. And ever since then, I feel like I've been a dribble drive coach. Um, you, you know, we really, we really feel like – with that style, we can we can make a guy a better shooter, and we can encourage them to run. We we feel like every year we don't have a post guy necessarily. You we might have one of those every once in a while, but we've never been able to figure out how to coach height. So yeah, uh, we, yeah. you know, I've coached a lot of teams that didn't have very much height, but we figured we could have shooters all the time. So we've we've basically played four out one in. Sometimes we give a little bit more of a high, high low look, but it's still going to be four out one in and. Um, mm. We want to put shooters on the wings and, and spread the defense and play basketball in space. That's really our goal. And then I would imagine that really affects your skill work because if you want each guy to have the ability to on the catch, leather touches their fingertips to pull it. But then if that's taken away, they have to make those 0.5 second decisions, right? Yes. And, and we work, we work that every day. We work kickouts every day. Uh, we work our different rotations every day. Uh, you know, we're never going to shoot a layup. Um, in, in anything we do, we're going to do it out of a kick out or, you know, off, off of some kind of action that we run. So we try to incorporate all of our drills or we, excuse me, not incorporate. We try to make all our drills look like our offense. I like that. I, I think that's a great nugget right there is because so many times when we think about individual skill work or skill work within our teams, we think med ball, cones, two ball, you know, all of the all shooting games, things like that. But it also can be another part of it can be take the offensive structure that you have, the actions that they're actually going to play in and break them into small sided games or drills where they get to actually rep those things over and over. Right. Yes, sir. That's, a, that's definitely our philosophy. And, 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 you know, when, when, when we went back to, back to Archer city, when we started running the four out one in uh, we became a lot more successful because we were able to put guys in situations that, that they, they could definitely say, okay, I'm a wing now I've got to work on this skill. We're in a motion offense. 
I mean, obviously, if you're a really good player, you can run it. But sometimes I thought our guys were getting shots that were not in their skill set. Mm. And a lot of them played football. We didn't have time to to develop those skill sets. So some people tell me, and, and to me, I guess I look at it opposite. They say, well, you can run dribble drive because you've been at Grayford, you've been at Crum, and you have your guys all the time. I said, no, really, I started running dribble drive because I didn't have my guys. So um, obviously it's better if you have good shooters, but but the idea of playing in space, I think, is something that can be taught from a very young age, and, and that's what we do. We reinforce how we want to play, you know, at the junior high level, and and so there's no question about the skill sets we try to develop. And so simplicity is sophistication, right? Like the, the, the more simple something is, uh, I think I think it's really important for when you have players that are coming from another sport or maybe you inherit a program or just have a year where this just isn't the most skilled group. Well, it probably needs to be the year where you simplify things the most and you make their decisions real, real easy to see and, and then drill, just drill the heck out of that over and over. Yeah, that's what we do. Honestly, that's that's exactly our philosophy. You've hit the nail on the head. And and we've we've taken, I think, even a step farther. We 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 call it our dribble drive rotation. So nearly anything we run, it's going to end up having a dribble drive rotation. So if we're running any kind of ball screen or, or anything that goes on, we're going to say, OK, guys, it's dribble drive rotation. And automatically my wings. Say, OK, I already know what to do then. This is easy. Love that. So any type of quick hitters that you might have, they they quickly just go right. So there's no setting up uh, your offense. As soon as we don't get the look that maybe this ball screen or this action was going for, we're flowing right into that action, that four out one action that you want. Yes, sir. If you're in, if your ball side, you're in the deep corner. If you're backside, you're in what we call the window area. Yeah. If if you're at the top, you're tracing the ball, and if you're inside, then you're in the slot backside of whatever's happening. So we're five out now, and we transitioned away from four out one in probably three seasons ago now. And, and the biggest thing was kind of like you said, we, we typically don't have posts here, like a post that would uh, uh, demand the ball inside to the point where, like, that's a good option for us. So if they're mainly smaller guys that we kind of build into being shooters like you've talked about – then five out made a lot more sense. And there's there's times where I like the fact that there's nobody down there with a defender waiting. But then there's those times where you see a four out one in, uh, a dribble drive, drag, attack, guy maybe loops underneath and there's a dump and they finish it in my head. I'm like, golly, I like that. I like having him down there. What do you do with a guy? Because it, in my opinion, the, a lot of the, the stuff you get are mainly dumps out of that four out one in, not it's necessarily... Go ahead. Like, what do you do? Last year, we had a big, a traditional big. And so four out one in, it was always him. I mean, he was the, he was a six, five guy. He was thick and that was his skill set. This year, we didn't really have that. We had a team of guards and forwards. So we experimented with the five out, but I'll be honest with you. I felt like I didn't do a very good job coaching it because in, in dribble drive, we talk a lot about double and triple gaps. Oh yeah. Five out, we couldn't get the triple gap that we wanted. Um, and, and, so where'd you, so you've got your four and in your post, you brought him out. Where did you put him? Um, he, anywhere. I mean, it didn't matter yeah. when we were in the five out because his yeah. skills, I mean, he could shoot the three. He could, no, drive. not like, not where, but okay. If you have your five players now, you have your two uh, alleys, right? Okay. Yeah. And then you two corners. Where'd you put him? The top, top of the key. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I think one, two, two, look, look. 
that that's that's interesting is because the uh i got it from mark cassio and and some of the racing in space stuff that he does and other guys but you you basically take your four you know so you got your alleys and then you uh-huh. got your two corners here and uh-huh. instead of the fit there because the moment you put in my opinion the guy in the top you're right single gap it bumps these guys wider uh-huh. single gap single gap so we call it the stretch the stretch is on either side three-point line extended uh but to the sideline so you still have your four out but now a stretch on one side. Well, the cool thing is, is if I go alley to alley and I slice with my stretch over here, we're bunched up here, but this guy's got that triple or double gap on that side oh, off of one yeah. pass. But, it, but there's a little bit more of airing it out. Uh, uh, what Casio called it. You can be a running back dribble drive where we all have to just charge, charge, or you can air it out a little bit where you move it until you find that gap. But, that was something that helped me out a ton. Yeah, I need to look at that. Yeah, we can, we can, uh, we'll, we'll have a talk just ourselves, just about some offensive stuff. And, yeah, yeah because sure. and I love to learn some, some of the games. I like some of the terminology that you've already, you've already talked about. But are, are, is there anything that you do? So you've got, let's just say you have a guy come that is, that does need to have the ball in his hands back to the basket and needs to post a little bit. Are there any things you do out of that four out one in to make sure that he gets touches from the guards? You know, we really, we really like the high low look. Um, you know, try to try to get it to him the high low. If we if we've got that that guy that can make the good pass from up top, we'll just we'll, we'll kind of start at three out two in, and one of the back the backside guy will pop up, and we'll immediately look for the high low entry pass, and then go ball screen if if that's not there. Active thing we've had, and then ultimately if that doesn't give you anything you're just right back into right, yeah, yeah. exactly right. right back in our double drive look i think i'm a lot more like you than uh you have a system that you like for a one in and you can help the players that you have some years it's different fit into that system but it's, it's not system only and, and we don't think about what our player strengths are at all because i think that's a big debate out there. Is it your style of play or is it your players? And, and what, where do you kind of line up there? I mean, I think we're, we're going to, we're probably going to play the four out one in base, but definitely it depends on from there, what kind of players we have in it. If we have the six, eight posts that can really work. I mean, we're going to, we're going to transition into getting him the ball more. We, we really want, and, and I think we do a good job of this. We really want our best players shooting the most shots. So mm-hmm. if our best happens to be the post and we're going to kind of tailor what we do to to that uh player but we're still going to keep it in the framework of, of probably playing spread basketball what a great idea though like i wonder how many how many coaches that, that they they watch their offensive clips and 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 what they're trying to do the actions they're trying to run doesn't actually produce the most shots for their best players i think that's a really good point yeah and i think you know right now we're kind of in the in the mode in this offseason is trying to tell our offense a little bit more to, to one of our guys that we probably didn't utilize as much just because his skill set's a little bit unique. He's more of a, a high post sort of player. He's not a traditional post back to the basket, but he's really good from that elbow area. And we did mm. not probably put him in a good situation you know, as many times as we needed to during the year. So we're trying to work on some of that right now to make ourselves better. So this offseason, you've got, you've got your, your four one in, philosophy that you 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 know that you're going to run how does that affect the skill work and what you're taking your guys through this time of year 
Well, this time we basically divided up offense and defense. So defense we're working on, we're backline teams, we're working on the, the various fundamentals we feel like we need for that. And, and offensively, we're playing a lot of two and three games. It's going to start with a kick out and a closeout. And and um, we're just, you know, trying to reinforce. Some of our guys are really good shooters, but they're, you know, they catch and hold. And we, mm. we can't catch and hold. we got to catch and go or catch and shoot. So we're really working hard in the offseason to to expand some guys uh yeah, they've got the skill. We've just got to work on uh, on them be comfortable using that skill, and I think it'll make us a better better offensive team if we can do that. Yeah, I think you found that that nice. You're right on on the line, which is where you want to be, is because some coaches can't say uh, it's my it's my system. We're gonna run it. So four out one out. We're gonna run it no matter what our players are like. I'm gonna force them into that mold, you know, or or they can change from year to year. Uh, just based on on a whim or what they think, but every year right. the guys are trying to learn something new. I think you're you're in that sweet spot of you've got one more of a concept based offense that where guys can really play in a lot of in a lot of space. But then because you stick to it, your guys know what they need to be working on, and you can really tailor your skill work to that instead of just well, I'm not really sure what we're going to run next year, so yeah. let's just get a lot of shots up, which. You know, you run the risk of wasting a little bit of time with that. Yeah, I mean, I, here, here's what I tell our guys, and I tell them this about style of play and individually. I say if a coach or anybody walks in our gym and says, how, how do you guys play? Every one of you all better be able to tell them how we play. And secondly, if they say, what do you need to do to play? They better be able to tell you what they need to do to play. They better be able to tell you I'm a three-point shooter and I've got to run the floor hard and, and I've got to be a three and D guy. If I can't on-ball defend, I can't play. And if they can't do that, then I feel like we're not doing our job as coaches. What a great test. Like, I, I just think in tomorrow in our athletic period, just even starting out with that, like, hey, guys, let's just pretend that you don't know me and I'm somebody walking in. And I, you know, offensively, what do you need to be able to do to make us better, to help us win, to get playing time? I mean, I, I like to think. I like to think that they'd answer correctly, uh, but you, you don't know. So I think that's a the questions like that are really valuable because it lets us know how well we're teaching. And sometimes, you know, I found because we talk to them that, that way all the time, I found some guys sometimes really don't get it. You know, we, we think they get it because we practice a certain way, but unless we verbalize it, we're, we're not sure. And sometimes we verbalize it with them more and more or quite a bit and they still don't get it. <laughs> But we try, we try that. You know, what helps a little bit to, for me to see that is having a son that's playing for me on the varsity team, because I'll, I'll, we'll finish a practice. We'll go home and, and his mom will ask him how practice went. What are the, some of the things we did? And he, he won't really have much of an answer. And I'll just be sitting there waiting, like, oh, come on. I mean, there's, there's like so much you could talk about, <laughs> and, but and, and and maybe that's a teenage thing. But then I like to think though that my players would know offensively and defensively what it takes to be successful in our program. But I think instead of just hoping, right, basing our game on hope, let's ask those questions, especially this time of year when you know the the pressure and the grind of the season 
is it isn't really on and it's a lot more about them and select ball and we can kind of take a step back i think that's a, it's a great time to ask those questions you know we love to we it's something we honestly do all year long we put them on the we put them on the line during announcements or whatever and we're going to ask them a few questions we might say hey dalen what does muddy in the lane mean and he better answer or everybody's going to run so we have a big board we put out uh, a big roll rollout whiteboard we put out with key terms every day and they better know the terms when they come out there. So when they come out to practice, they're immediately going to the board and looking at the terms because they don't want to be the guy that misses a question that makes the whole team run. How, so, yeah, how often are you adding new terms to that? Like, like you, you learn something new off of a podcast or because Jeff Clarkson and Preston would made a comment, you know, we, we can listen. Like I get to do these talks and they're awesome and, and everybody has such good stuff, but like, I can't do everything. Like right. you've got to, you've got to really choose. Uh, how often are you adding new things to that board? Um, you know, a couple of times every few weeks, just, you know, as we need it, I think. Um, but, but it's not like two or three new words every day. It's not nothing that extreme. It's, it's, um, you know, during the course of this last season, we probably added 10 new words that we didn't have before, you know, mm-hmm. along with the other, I mean, we have a whole, whole list, but only 10 new ones probably. I think it'd be cool to kind of see, uh, a whiteboard that you did a few years ago, you know, to the board that you do now, see the way that you've grown, the way that your program has, and hopefully what all of like the language that we talked about earlier, it's all helping everybody move into a more focused, streamlined manner where sure. we can sure. just save time by speaking clearly and, and them knowing exactly uh, he's a jack. Mm-hmm. There you go. Like, I know where I should be on the catch. I know where I should be one pass away. I know where I should, where, what I need to do in transition with him instead of, I mean, how often do we say just the same things over and over and over in a long sentence, two, three sentences that could just be in one word? No, definitely. Definitely. You know, and, and, and really we started doing it because of timeouts, honestly, because think about timeouts. You don't have very long, you don't have time to describe a lot of things going on. Um, so that's we said we need things to be one word or two word phrases that the guys automatically understand. And it's not they're not having to think a whole lot when they hear the word they know. And uh, yeah. so I think it's helped our timeouts uh, tremendously. Coach, I don't know if you feel this way. I am envious of JV and freshman team timeouts. They have so much time because those officials don't they're not they're not on a timer. They just kind of <laughs> let the, they just stand back there and wait. I'll be sitting there watching. Oh, and then uh, varsity officials are like, my guys come to me. They're already blowing the first whistle. I'm like, golly, that was quick, man. Uh, JB, freshman timeouts, they just seem to take forever, but maybe that's just because I'm watching. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. So with this style of play, and and you utilize the three-point line really well, what role do analytics play with how you teach your your style of play? You know... And I don't know that I'm an analytics guy necessarily, but but I can look at our percentages and know that if we're shooting a step in three, we're pretty good. 
And if we're shooting a off the dribble three, we're not near as good. And if we're shooting a mid-range jumper, we're usually terrible. So we, we talk to our guys about we want, we want to get feet in the lane, you know, and if we get those feet in the lane and that leads to a layup, that's great. But if it doesn't lead to a layup, we want to look, look at the kick out. And, and we feel like with a step in three, we're going to shoot the ball really well. So we, we tell all of our guys, we, we, uh, this is an old dribble drive deal. We, uh, we like threes, but we love layups. Um, nobody in my program is going to shoot a mid range unless they can really shoot a mid range. Um, you know, I've had guys during the year and in my years, it feel like and their parents feel like they're good mid range players. And you look and they're shooting about 19% from anything outside the lane, inside the three point line. I had a kid um, at one of my previous stops. It was a great three point shooter, great three point shooter, probably shot 45% from the three point line, but he and his dad were convinced that because a, a, a mid-range jumper was a closer shot, that was a shot he'd need to be taking, and he'd shoot about 20% from there. And I never could never could get it right with them. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the players suffered individually, and, and the team suffered because of that. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know that I'm an analytics guy, but we're, we're, we're trying to get a layup on you. And if that layup leads to you helping and us getting an open three, then we'll take that. Uh, but we're not going to take a lot of – a lot of mid-range because the numbers just don't add up. Even even the best players I've coached that played in college, they were a lot better with a step in three than they were any um, any mid-range. And and plus the way we play in space, that's what our offense is set up to do. It's it's set up to get the step in three. And and I really feel like it's the easiest shot in basketball, honestly, outside yeah. of a layup. Well, I think it's what they practice the most. I mean, you think about what uh, the shooting games that you play when they're on the gun. Uh, you know, majority of times when they're working on their shot, it's not off the bounce very much. And and I'm I'm right on the same the same lines with you. Like Dalton Standish was a guy we had years ago played. He scored 2,700 points. He could really shoot the three, but because of how closely he was guarded on his own, he created a really good mid range game. Yeah, where yeah. I, I was happy with that. But that's the thing is like players have to show maybe in you know in pickup during the spring and summer through some of the skill work that we do, that that is a high percentage shot for them. Because if you can, and I try to tell it, if you can do that at a, I mean, if we call a seven and wide open jump shot within their range, there's an idea too, that you can do that seven or 10, seven or, or more out of 10, right? Like it's not the exact math with that, why it's called a seven, but not many guys can do that. You know, so you right. test them a little bit with that. But let me ask you this. So if you if you don't want to be Dan Tony, when he was at Houston, I I heard a story that he would anybody that took a mid-range jumper, he would they'd have their name, their face printed out and they'd have their face up on the board. Uh, and all the guys that took it. And there wasn't a lot because they were very much uh, free or three, you know, or mm-hmm. key or three or free or whatever. And but what do you do to help your team understand that listen, this is smart. This is good for us. This is where we want to live in the paint or behind the arc. You know, we just reinforce. We we show them the numbers all the time. We have huddle. They all have access to it, and we talk about it all the time. You know, what's going to get you on the court? You know, and if, if you shoot a mid range jumper and you miss it, you're probably coming out. Unless you're that rare player that, you know, that's that's really good because you're so good at everything else. That's all that's open. Maybe, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. We don't have guys like that right now. We don't have – we would rather shoot the step-in three or the layup. We don't have a lot of mid-range jumpers. That, I mean, we're not going to beat your team if we're taking all mid-range jumpers. I'll put it that way. 
There you go. If you're, if you are relying off of off the bounce and that was, I mean, we're, you know, we're at the time we're talking March madness is still going. And uh, I would imagine your bracket, if you made one is just as shot as mine is because (laughs) who would have imagined that FAU and San Diego state are playing, but um, you know, uh, Baylor was when they were playing Creighton, like Charles Barkley is one of my favorite commentators because it's it's sometimes it sounds funny the things he says, but he's normally like I feel like right on the money. But he said Baylor was relying on contested off the bounce threes, off the bounce jump shots. And he's like he's like if you rely on that, you're going to be streaky, and you're going to struggle to beat really good defensive teams. And that that to me just rang real true. Oh, I agree. I agree. I I, I mean I. I don't have the percentage in front of me, but I know from a step in three to an off the dribble three, I mean, we shoot 10 to 15 percentage points lower and, and the same guy, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a harder shot. How many threes do you feel like you're getting up per game? On um, average? We'd probably shoot 25 to 30, depending on the game and how it's going, you know, um, we're, we're comfortable anywhere from that 20 to 30, depending on, on what's happened. We're fine with that um, because it, it just – we feel like that shooting the three opens up so much so much more. You know, it, if I have a wing shooter that won't shoot the three, well, you're probably not going to close all the way out on him. So now the lane's not as open. It really so, hurts yeah. your drive. Yeah, it really hurts your gaps. Three so we can so we can drive the ball. If, if you have a few guys that are struck, maybe they've missed a couple, but over the course of time, either from other games or any shooting games that you do, how do you help them to continue to pull it or have confidence if they've, they've missed a few in a row? We just, like you said, in, in, in practice, and we, we, we shoot a tremendous amount all the time. So we remind the guys, hey, you're, you're really a, a good shooter. You're just kind of – you're just kind of off right now. Make sure your feet are set. Make sure you're not leaning. Just you know, think about it a little bit. And and then, honestly, we'll in practice we'll sh- start shooting some more contested threes where they have someone running at them, and maybe they can feel a little bit more comfortable. And uh, you know, you know, once again, I think it a little bit goes back to the relationship. They trust us to tell them the things that 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 they can do to get better and how they can help the team. So they really try to they really try to do what we ask. Hmm. Early on in the talk, we talked about things that you've borrowed and and you even threw out some names uh Wahlberg and and Calipari what are uh, what's one quality that you see in great leaders um really I think leaders they got to have a clear vision I mean you know a lot of things go with that um but I I think you have to have a clear vision and and you know along with that is you've got to get your team to buy into the vision so you know my my coaches and I know exactly the product we want to see or mm. how we want to do things. And so it's our job to make sure that, that our players understand that and, and, and follow our lead. Okay. The vision, you know, see the vision and sell the vision. I think Pat Riley said that. And I wonder how many guys, again, it goes back to the clarity that you talked about with style of play. If you're changing all the time and maybe, maybe culture and vision can still say stay the same if you're changing styles of play constantly but um i don't know i i think part of that is, that clarity is knowing exactly the way that you like to play and the way that you want to teach and allows your players just to have confidence in that as well 
I hope so. You know, along with the vision, we, we try to have our, our plan that our kids understand. You know, we're, we're very structured as far as when you walk in our locker room, stuff is hung up a certain way in the locker room. Um, we, our practice plan is done the same way every day. We don't do the exact same thing every day, but sure. we have the same, same form we use and everyone kind of understands this section is going to be for a warm up. This section is going to be offensive breakdowns, you know, and then team. And so we try to, to have a plan that, that reinforces our, our vision of how we want to play. But then I think you also have to have the ability to adjust, you know, um, and, and probably I, even a few years ago, I think I was the kind of coach that we were so rigid in our preparation that if you threw us off just a little bit, mm-hmm. then it really threw off our, our whole mojo. And we, we tried to get a little bit more, um, I don't know if flexibility is the word, but, but try to roll with it a little bit more. I remember uh, we were going to the regional tournament a few years ago and um, something happened and in, in our itinerary said we were going to be there at a certain time and we got stuck in traffic or whatever and we were about 20 minutes late. And I felt like that that threw everyone off, threw the coaches off, threw the players off because we're no longer on the itinerary. So I've tried to get better about that and do some self-evaluation and say, you know, that's kind of silly. Um, but but I you know, I think the ability to adjust is something I struggle with right now. So we're trying to work on that with our um, leadership style. With your practice plans, do you struggle with that as well? Because like like one, I used to be the the coach that had a practice plan written out with all the times, the, the actual time, how long we're going to be in it, and then really did my best to stick to that the entire time. Uh, but then recently – um, have kind of done away with that and just been a little bit more by feel. And when I feel like we're ready to move on, I know what I'd like to go to next, but I have the freedom to stay in that drill, that game, that area of play until I feel like we're there. Where are you at with your practice planning? And with that, with that, um, you know, that self-assessment that you, that you had, you know, I, I honestly, I kind of cheat. I, I... <laughs> Because I, I have we're bro- everything is broken in a 10 minute segment, but I usually put at least an extra 10 minute segment in offense in the defensive area of practice that that I don't really care if we get to or not. So if something's not going well, then we'll, we'll take a little bit longer and get it right. Because, uh, I, you know, if something's going completely bad, I don't feel right about saying, well, 10 minutes is over. So we're just going on. I mean, we might take a few extra minutes to try to get it right. So I, I cheated a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll tell the manager at 20 the clock, I'll just give me another 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> Are you sure coach? Yeah, coach is not cheating. Like that's, it's smart because you, you still, you, you're basically, or you're able to do both. Like you're still organized the way that you want and you have a plan and your assistants can see the plan, but then you know that you've got that buffer. Like, I think that's a really good way to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know, but that, that's what we do right now. I, once again, I'm just a recovering um, micromanager, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. Co- Coach Bliss, I think, struggled at times with his vision for how we wanted to play. And, and the reason I say that is because he would almost, you know, tinker around with it too much. Like we've got it going in a good direction and then he'd come down and he'd, have a, a variation or a, a change and part of me thought like it, it I, I don't know I wonder if as a player I lost a little bit of confidence in how I thought he viewed us because he was always changing things 
do you feel like if because I feel with with your four out one in philosophy that it's not necessarily it's not like set in stone, but like you said, within it, you can adjust, but it is the direction and path. Do you feel like that gives your guys a lot of confidence knowing that you believe in it and you feel like they can be great at it and you don't tinker with it too much? I think so. And I think every day that they come to to practice, they they know they know where our goals are. They know how we play and there's no no question about it. So that, yeah, I think it takes away a little doubt maybe, or, you know, I, I mean, we're pretty committed to it. And um, I think that, uh, that, that they get it. And I think it's, it's easy for them to understand because they've, they've been doing it three years now. And, and yeah, I, I think it, it, I really think it allows them to not think as much and just play a little bit harder, honestly, because that's, that's really what, that's a number one style of play we want to have, honestly, is play hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we talk about that all the time. So, um, you know, I think the simplicity uh, makes it easier for that to happen. It's kind of weird to think of like playing hard as a skill now. Like it's not something that just everybody possesses or that's just the way. Like, it's, and so if I'm a player these days, if playing hard is a skill that I possess or I work on, I feel like that's a huge difference maker now. Like that word motor is out there a lot. And that's, it's playing hard. Like that guy has a high motor, which means he's not going to stop. So I don't know. Have you seen that where, uh, not, not that kids are different. I don't think that, I, I don't like when people go down that route. Like it's kids are way different now than they were 20 years ago. I don't know. But I do think though, if you are a player that just gives like gases out, like Stan Bonowitz said, gases out, gives his very best. I don't know. I just think they stand out even more now. No, I, I think so too. And, and honestly, the the best compliment you can give any of my teams, I feel like, is if later a, a coach or a fan says, "Hey, your guys play really, really hard." I mean, I, I take more pride in that than you saying, "Oh, y'all run offense really well," or you know, you close down the gaps on defense. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I, we really talk a lot of a whole lot about it here, and and I, maybe more about it here than anywhere I've been. But I also think we're better about it here now, and I think it. It's because we we celebrate we celebrate plays that go hard. We talk about high fives in practice all the time. We're always, you know, um, hopefully talking with each other in a, in a language that's, that's encouraging. And you know, if somebody dives on the floor, everybody in practice is clapping. You know, so we really try to to do the little little rewards, uh, verbal and nonverbal cues that you did well if you play hard. So I mean, I think we really try to emphasize it a lot here, and I, I think it. I think it shows. I mean, I, I think we're better than we would be if we didn't do those things. So if you want your guys to speak a certain way, not kind, but uh, you know, a certain way to each other that it, that builds each other up, doesn't tear each other down. Uh, how I'm going to ask you, I guess, a pretty personal question. And, and it's on my mind because um, I, I love the culture we have at Faith, but I felt like at times I was almost going against it this season. I was frustrated and I thought it showed in my face, showed the way that I spoke to the guys. And, and there's definitely some moments where you just, I think I forgot my why. Um, how do you do, if that's the culture that you want, um, how do you do throughout the season holding to that? Um, you, you know, honestly, sometimes it's difficult, but I just have to remind myself that this, this is really important. And, and I tell my coaches, we're going to model the behavior we expect so if we're going to, you know, expect those guys to do it, that's the way we're going to, that's the way we're going to behave. I had to talk to one of my sub varsity coaches about the way he was addressing kids in the locker room a little bit. And it wasn't out of line. There was nothing wrong with it, 
but it wasn't probably the tone that we wanted to set. I said, hey, you've got to you got to take a deep breath before you go in the locker room. Don't just storm in the locker room and light everybody up. Take a deep breath and reflect and think mm. about how would you want uh, your guy, our guys to talk to each other in there and, and go in and be, be firm with them, but also be supportive and, and give them give them the instruction they need instead of just flying in and, and lighting them up in maybe more of a negative fashion. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Uh, culture is a buzzword that that's thrown a lot, but it's the standards that you have and how you show up. So how does culture drive performance in your program? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that us having the culture to us, we, we look at our values, routines, and our expectations. So, I mean, I, I think first our, our, our values, you know, we talk about values on the basketball court and off the basketball court. We want, we want good, we want good citizens. You know, we talk a lot about making our grades. We, we, we try to do something good with the community. Uh, we we want to be the kids that are good up and down the hall. We want to be the kids that the teachers are, are, are happy with in the classroom. So, um, I, I mean, I think if, as a coach, if I don't have to worry about any of those kind of things, you know, on, on the court becomes easier. Our routines, I mean, I, I think because we we have so many routines, once again, I think the kids know what to expect, so they, they come every day ready. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no mystery about what's going to happen. And and our expectations are, hopefully, if we're doing it right, they don't waver. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the best player or worst player. There's a certain way we're going to do things in, in crumb basketball. We talk about it all the time. How does crumb basketball do this? And And I think that that our, our guys are completely bought in that if they'll, if they'll fit into our culture, then, then they'll be successful, you know, at least as a team, obviously, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get playing time, but they're going to be in, in, in a good situation. And um, we're going to have, give ourselves a chance to really represent our community and, and ourselves in in a positive manner. Uh, That's a really good point. You had a couple great points there. One of the, that your, your culture, your, your values, it's not just on the court, but off the court. And I wonder how many times, like if we talk about culture, it's either it's too much one way or the other. It's almost all, you know, value systems that you all treat about treating each other. And, and those words on the board that we have sometimes, but then it's not really how we play or what we do there. When they, when they kind of meet in the middle and they, they really, it, there's a lot of carryover. I think that's a sweet place to be. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've got our, our kids here are so open, you know, I, I feel like however, as coaches, however we direct the kids in crumb is the way they're going to go. And, and once again, this, this year, we've made a, a big deal about giving high fives. We've got to give high fives above the shoulder. We have a manager that tracks it, stole it from Phoenix Suns or whatever. Nice, you know? yeah. But you would be surprised, or you may not be surprised, you may have done it before, how much more energy our practices have when we do that is if we don't do that. We might not make any more shots. We might not do anything better. But the positive energy permeates throughout the practice if we, if we just simply give high fives. And, and I think all the kids have bought into that. They understand. Yeah. And, you know, this morning we were a little bit dragging. Uh, we were dragging a little bit. And I said, hey, guys, get the high fives. As soon as we did that, energy level went went up. Uh, I felt like right then, okay, here comes our culture again. We were we wavered a little bit, and, and here it is again. We're enjoying this again. 
And that kind of connects to, to the routines part. Cause I really like the idea of the cult or routines being a part of our culture. And it's not just the words we say or, or, or how we show up or, or, you know, how we look and, but it's also the, the routines and how we start practice. If there's a level of excellence to that or not, or we, we want to have a spirit and joy be a part of our culture, but in practice, we don't show that at all with, and so a routine like that, Hey guys, I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're lulling a little bit. Hey, let's get some high fives. That routine of doing that just completely, like you said, brings your culture back. But I think a challenge to coaches is what, what routines do you have right now put in place? Cause you either kind of like culture, you either have good ones or you have bad ones. You know, the absence of routine is a routine. <laughs> like You're So right. you, you check the routines that you have and see, do these match up to the culture that we say that we want, or are they actually pulling us away from those? So I think that's a great nugget, man. I'll tell you a, a kind of a funny thing now that you mentioned it, it um, with our routine during, during the end season, we have a routine and everybody hustles from drill to drill, whatever we're doing, we're, we're on a hop everywhere. Well, now that we've gone into to, uh, off season, I've noticed a few times we don't do that. And so we're having to, and I think it's because the routine isn't set yet. Oh, this is something new. We're doing something kind of different. It's not like our normal practice plan. So uh, mm, do I really need to hustle point. to the next drill? And so today we had to do a little reinforcement to remind <laughs> guys we do need to hustle to the next drill. <laughs> a healthy, healthy reinforcement, a reminder, uh, not a punishment, just we a reminder, a just a yeah. reminder. But uh, that's a good point. I, I, I guess a question there is, is there a time of year? So I feel like, especially in season, we hold our guys' feet to the fire. And that's a good thing. I mean, you've got to be on your toes, ready to, to be in the moment, to be present, to perform. Um, is there a time of year where it's okay to pull back on that a little bit, but you run the risk of all of a sudden, this doesn't feel like crumb basketball at all. Like this isn't faith basketball right now. I don't know what this is. And let me ask, like, where do you feel like, uh, is there a time for that? Or should we always be holding them to the same standards year round? You know, we try to hold them to the same, same standards. Most of our guys are three sport athletes. They uh -huh. play fall basketball, in-season basketball, and spring basketball. <laughs> so you, got, you got me there. I was like, oh, he's like everybody. No, no, no. <laughs> no we, we do not have a lot. We, we have our guys, a lot of our guys run cross country, and we have a few football players. Which that's fine. That's, yeah, that's we don't mind cross country. Um, uh, we we do try to we try to keep the same routine all the time as far as is, is how we're going to approach practice. How much is select ball uh, involved with your guys? Um, we uh, we have a couple of guys that play on on some pretty pretty decent level travel teams, and the guys not doing that will play kind of together. A, a dad will coach, uh, you know, kind of doing more of our stuff. So everybody. Of course, we're doing we'll play in spring league as crumb, but most of our other varsity guys, in fact, all of our other varsity guys and most of our JV guys will be on some sort of out, out of school team. You know, I just tell them a few weeks, I'll say this is our team camp. This is summer state tournament. This is, you know, what, whatever we're going to. So tell your AAU coaches you're going to be with crumb in those weekends. And and they've they've all done so so far. I don't know what would happen if they said, no, we're not going to do that, coach. But they, they've done so so far because yeah. because. I think it's from basketball is important to them. Yeah. And I, I love, I, I would imagine knowing kind of your, 
the, the, the city that you're in, the, the community, the culture that you have, that, that people would be on board and understand that. I think oh, there yeah. is always a, there is at times, and I, I think sometimes as coaches, we can create this dynamic of, of it's us versus them with select ball. I'm really try, trying to get to the place where um, it's both. Like it, it's uh, I, during the season, it's school ba- basketball. And then during the spring, I'm more of a supplement to one, but all, it's a different dynamic. I mean, again, being, being in DFW where they're, you know, pulled so many different places, um and i'm not saying like you're not that far away from where we are here but uh i sometimes i think it would be fun to be at a place like 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 pan you know where i'm hopefully going to have coach gaylor on like um that guys like like pan basketball this is what we do and it's it's year round and uh, but there's different i guess different struggles or thoughts out there um in different places Right. You know, and, and honestly, I, I don't mind them playing for someone else a little bit, hear a different voice, maybe play a different role on a team. So, you know, we, we, we just work with it. We're, and yeah. we're good with it. You know what I found by, by almost uh, definitely encouraging. I mean, the more guys we have in faith that play year round, the better. And, and, and with, with other, with other people, like you said, fine, but I I've actually had sometimes it's, it comes back to help because if our culture is positive, and they go to a place where that's not enforced at all, and they feel the difference. You know, they mm-hmm. feel the lack of high fives. They sit on the bench. They feel that more of an individualistic style and that it's not about the team. It's almost like they get to come back and, like, breathe fresh air again. And so I think that's been a fun part of allowing them and, and encouraging them to play. Is And, and there are some select programs where it's, it's a great culture, too, and where, well, they feel right at home there but uh i don't know that's been a byproduct of it yeah i've have i have one player as a matter of fact to, to, you, you remind me that in in our practice he's sort of a quiet guy he, he's he he buys in but he's not one of the you know what not one of the vocal leaders and the other day i talked to his aau coach and they were telling me how he's the leader of the team and the most vocal and like hey great maybe he's expanding roles <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well coach um the speed round uh, quick questions the first thing that pops in your head, you, you just oh. blur, you blurt it out. You ready? Okay. Favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, vanilla. I'm pretty plain. Nice. Greatest shooter of all time? Um, Crystal Pete. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, probably shows my age is the only thing wrong uh, with that answer. I'm a Pistol Pete fan. He he transformed my skill work just through his videos, his VHS tapes back in the day. Um Best basketball movie of all time, uh, Hoosiers. That comes from a small town guy. You yeah, know. it's yeah, it's ninety eight percent of what people say. Uh, texting or talking? Uh, talking. For high uh, school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. Nice. It wouldn't affect us too much with how we play offensively, no, really but wouldn't. yeah, it wouldn't. I think it would make us better defensively. Honestly, that's <laughs> exactly exactly. Uh, favorite holiday. Uh, probably Christmas, family time, you yeah. know, a little time off. Uh, this is a new one. You're up three on defense, seven seconds left, foul or no foul? Uh, foul. Nice. Always been that way or something no. that, yeah? No, I just, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we do situations all the time. Uh, we, every, every practice in season, we have a, a situation period. And I, I mean, honestly, when we play out that situation, it works out better for us if we foul. 
that there's a nugget there and probably a whole other conversation we could have of the fact that you work that into practice every day gives you the ability to know what you really want to do in those situations. I'm probably like most coaches, I think guilty of at the end of the season going, man, I wish we would have spent more time in end of game situations. So thank you for that yeah, reminder we, right there. In our uh, quarterfinal game, we uh, actually only had five team fouls and the other team, we had a one point lead, just took the lead at the end of the game by one point, And we wanted to take foul as they were bringing it up and they threw us off by throwing it into their post. And I'm like, man, out of all the situations, a thousand situations we've gone over, we have not gone over the situation where their post comes up and brings the ball down. So we ended up losing the game. And I, I'm like, man, there's another situation we're going to have to uh, work on. Yep. Yep. What book would you give somebody? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, and I, John Wooden's book of, I, I can't, the one with all his uh, quotes, I, I can't think what it's called. I have it yeah. on my shelf. And I, I mean, I really felt like that's a, that, that's a book that really makes you think about some things. So I, I think for any, any coach, that would be a book. I would, I would say this would be a good read for you. That's good. And, but I, I probably should say your book. I have not read it. I have not read it, Coach, but my assistant has read it and told me that he's read eight books in his life, and that's one of them, and he's bringing me your book tomorrow. So, Man, I appreciate, I appreciate him saying that. I'll, I'll send him uh, you know, some money later for his for the sale. <laughs> uh, the, in basketball, who is the GOAT? Uh, Michael Jordan. There he is. I, once again, I'm probably showing my age. My sons and I have a debate over LeBron James, Michael Jordan, but I'm, I'm a Michael Jordan guy. Nice. It is. It is more like who do we watch and in, in, in their primes and, and what how do they make us feel? Man, you watch the last dance and you're like, how can you not just uh, obviously you saw some maybe deficiencies in his in his leadership style and some ways to not uh, emulate him, but still awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Favorite place to travel. Uh, we really like Montana. Never been there. And uh, we, we went to uh, Yellowstone a couple of years ago and we haven't been able to get back up that way, but we, we really enjoyed it as a family. Very peaceful. Nice. Last one, probably the most important. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? <laughs> uh, 10 plus. Uh, I bring in the big, the big Yeti uh, cups. So that's just one. That's just one. Okay. That's yeah. it. <laughs> So however many ounces those are times two, that's how, many, how much coffee I drink a day. I knew I knew there was something between us that I just, I I, I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, that, I, listen to, I listen to your podcast and listen to Coach Nick's and I was really blown away. He does not drink coffee. So I, you know, he's been kind of a guy I've really looked up to, but I, I cannot, I cannot understand a man that doesn't drink coffee. Yeah. We, we don't appreciate him anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder he's so calm. <laughs> that's right, man. Coach, this has been awesome, but I've had a chance to play against you and watch your teams play for a few years, um, and just such a pleasure to get to learn more about your style of play, your culture, and what just makes Crumb basketball special, man. Thank you so much for your time. Coach, thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed it. If if there's anybody out there that was, you know, really would love to learn more about for a one in and maybe even some of the language that you use, what's a great way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, my email address is Eric, E-R-I-C 
Tabor, T-A-B-O-R, at crumbisd.net. And we've got, we've got presentations. We've got, you know, we've got stuff if you want it. My assistant loves to put that kind of stuff together. And uh, so we've got it and we're willing to share or sit down and talk. Um, like I've told you before, I want to get with you sometime and talk to you about shooting the basketball. Your teams are always so good at it and love the way you all play. So uh, let's get together sometime. Yes, sir. Well, Coach, thanks. Thanks again. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.